Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined today by yet another special guest. We're rattling him off these last few weeks on the podcast. Uh, This week it's Mike Norris, the head coach of the Portland Thorns. Uh, Mike, welcome to the pod and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks Ryan. Really excited and yeah, should be a fun, fun 30 minutes or so. For sure. Uh, so obviously the, the team just got back from Bend, uh, an opportunity to stay down there for a week. Uh, what was the, the team up to as, as far as uh, everything but training? And uh, how, how did training go for the group? Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, we arrived into some pretty pretty cold cold weather when we first arrived. It was, yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system, but the group adapted well. Um, obviously we had some discussions to acknowledge and address some of the off-season events because um, it was important that we, we did that before we could start talking about moving forward. So, uh, yeah, some some important discussions there. Then we had a good week of training, um, four days on field, I think, then a day off, and then we finished the week off with an inter-squad. So it was just, it was nice to get the group together. Um, yeah. It was just a positive start, I think, to, to, to kick off the preseason. Definitely. Some fun stuff, too. It looked like uh, the team did an escape room, too. Were, were you part of that? Yeah, the escape room was good. Um, so the staff were in a separate room. I think we had four player groups, then a staff room. Um, unfortunately, the staff didn't win. But then the first group out was able to kind of get into the control room and there were um, controlling some of the messages that appeared on the TV screens in the rooms. So the players used their sense of humour and kind of threw back some of the stuff I had presented to them the night before to kind of tease the staff in my room. So we were the last ones out, but I will say we were the last ones to get in the room as well. But I'm not arguing the fact we probably lost based on the clock time, but yeah, it was good. It was nice. <laughs> Nice it's a classic. Uh, it's a classic coach's refrain, right? We we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that that works uh, for sure. There. Um, you you mentioned obviously that the team had an important uh, and serious discussion about what happened in the off season. Uh, obviously, you guys are going to keep that internal. You're not going to divulge the details of that. But I'm wondering how that conversation went, and and um, if there is anything that you heard that you think is going to be important for for this team as it moves forward out of these these challenges yeah i mean i'll, I'll say this much i i was in at the beginning of the meeting just to kind of try and frame it a little bit um just to sort of put some parameters on where the discussions went and then the players were left um to discuss the staff did the same as well separately and then we collectively came back together as a as a whole group if you like and and shared what we felt needed to be shared. But I mean, I think the the big basis of the discussion was acknowledging it because a lot had happened. Um, and then it was all with a vision of moving forward. Um, so that's what I just encouraged the staff to do and the players, um, all discussions that needed to be had or questions that had to be asked um, of each other. And I guess everything in general was with all with a vision of how do we move forward. So, yeah. And um, you're somebody who has been passionate about coaching since you entered it. It's it's something that you you look at your social media and and um, it, it seems like your profession is something that you're extremely passionate about uh, and its importance in in terms of, you know, 
individual growth and and personal growth that comes out of sports. I'm wondering um, where that passion came from, where where you first realized you wanted to to really be a coach. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when the turning point was, to be honest, Ryan. I, like the very first time I coached, I was still playing um, and I was just, ultimately I was helping, I think I was 18-ish, around about that age and I just, I didn't enjoy it at all. Like it was just way too soon for me. Um, and I don't know if that first feeling probably pushed us back further before I got back into coaching. So I think I had just really potentially matured, but um, what really gets it, yeah, you, you touched on it, like the personal growth. I just think the the challenge and the interaction that you have and I think the joy that you see of people grown, and this possibly comes, I mean, a lot of me coaching backgrounds come from sort of youth or transitional youth into senior um, adulthood. I, I just, yeah, the... the the growth that you see in people and the interactions um, and the joys and the struggles, I guess, that this, this sport brings just is it. Yeah. It's just a, it's hard to put words to what that feeling is, but it's pretty cool when you see people go through that period of time and the struggles that they have and the, and the joy, but then they come out the other end of it. It's yeah, it's pretty fulfilling. I've got to say. And do you remember discovering the game growing up and, and just kind of your journey to, to playing? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a goalkeeper. Um, I grew up in a time when you could still still pick the ball up on back passes. Um, so the, 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 the rules of the game changed, and I was never a goalkeeper like the modern-day goalkeepers now who are almost outfield players and have a real passion for that. That wasn't me. Um, I was very much around just keeping the ball out the back of the net. I really, really enjoyed training and practice when I was uh, playing. Then I got I picked up a pretty serious injury when I was just before my twenty first birthday. I brought me tibula, smashed it in four places. I was playing sort of semi professional at the time, and that took a lot longer to heal than what I anticipated. Um, I did come back after nineteen months, um, and then yeah, I was just at a stage in life of I had given some sacrifices, if you like, to the other parts of life and friendships and so I came back from the injury I think I played for another two and a half years and I just yeah it was decided it was time for something different um so that was when the coaching came and then that's only when I I ended up leaving Newcastle and and traveling a little bit and that really just opened up me as a person as well um just exposure to yeah I think just life in general um yeah so it was just a, a bit of a different journey, I guess. Yeah. I mean, travel is a great teacher. And and I think that, you know, there are a few sports with a greater global network and influence than, than football. Right. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's something that, um, people have connections all over the world with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even with the journey I've been on now, like some of the parts of the country, uh, the world I've been to, it's yeah, I don't think I would ever probably even consider going to these places, but I've had the the pleasure of going to and there's some places I've been to as well where it's yeah it hasn't been as pleasant just based on some circumstances that I found myself in but yeah I've almost found myself in four corners of the, of the globe almost to see some pretty cool places and 
and at the same time meet some incredible people as well. Definitely. And um, a storyline going into this season, obviously, with, with the staff turnover, um, is is you having an opportunity to fill out your staff to, to add some assistant coaches. Um, how is that going? And, and uh, when, I guess, can fans expect more news on the assistant coaching front? Yeah, um, it's been a, a work in progress, continues to be. Um, I mean, obviously, from my announcement, we knew we had to fill my role, which we tried to do on a couple of occasions, but it just it's kind of fallen through, for a better word. Um, obviously, just based on everything that the club's gone through and what we're trying to learn from, we're trying to get some very extensive background information on everybody, really. So I think that just brings a longer process, which, I mean, we're willing to go through. Uh, we've expressed this to the players, just asking for their patience as well. So, yeah, it's a work in progress. We, we are speaking with people continually and we're hoping to, hoping to have announcements at the right time. But, I mean, we've made it clear amongst ourselves as a, as a staff and with the players that we need to be getting the right people in. And if it takes a little bit longer to do that, then we're willing to take the, the time to, to ensure we, we get the right people in place. For sure. And um, on that subject, obviously, one of, one of the major stories out of the last few weeks for the, the club has been the decision to, to move away from um, the club's trainer and, and one of the former assistant coaches. Um, I'm, I'm wondering your perspective on what, the decision by the club to move forward says about its, its desire to be more accountable uh, in the future uh, about these type of issues. When obviously the the NWSL's initial recommendation was only a a one year ban for, for those two individuals. Yeah. I mean, I I think it, they're trying to learn from what's happened previously uh, is a big piece. Um, Some of the the errors or handling of events. So I think there's that element that, there is also, in terms of actually how do we operate with, without the, those staff members, um, yeah. But I mean, ultimately, it, it is what have we learned from the past, and how do we need to move forward in terms of player safety and just getting everything right. Definitely, and um, the the staff right now is essentially a handful of folks, in, including yourself and, and Nadine. Um, how I guess have, have duties been doled out just give, given the, the uh, working with less situation that you guys might be in, which you're not alone in, uh, in different jobs around this country. There's a lot of folks that are working understaffed. Um, what is that like right now? Yeah, I mean, what I'll say right off the bat, like staff have stepped up. I think there's just been a general acknowledgement of some people have took on some other roles that they maybe aren't used to um, just in the short term. And I think just organisationally, I think this group, what I learned last year, very um, reliant on processes. And I think there's some robust processes that have been put in place here previously, which I think we've been able to lean on. That other people have been able to just pick up those processes and it's not just the personnel for a better word. So I think there's that. And then in terms of priority of work, I mean, everybody's just, they've gone players first. Um, so at, at the very front of our minds is how can we impact the players the least and ensuring that they have what they're used to on a regular basis. 
I mean, I'm not being naive to say that everything's the same. It's not. But we're just trying to keep that normalcy as, as much as we can and, and make sure that we're providing for the players the best we can from a medical perspective, from a technical perspective, them ensuring that they have the, the attention that they feel they need um, and just providing the extra care, whether it be with video sessions or discussions off the field. So, yeah, I think everybody's chipping in, stepping up and just trying to fill the gaps with the best we can short term. And obviously, I think it'll change a little bit as we get deeper into pre-season and games start to come. That's when I think we'll have to revisit again some of the roles because from a technical side, some of those things aren't required right now. But when we get to game days, yeah, there's going to be gaps that if, if they're on filled by then, we'll need to revisit how we're work as an operator as a staff absolutely and um you know on the field um returning a, a number of players the, the vast majority of the roster from last season when the team won a championship um but there are obviously you know different health concerns that come into any season uh one of those being um something that's been discussed publicly with the u.s women's national team and sophia smith and, and her foot um, I'm wondering how she's progressing uh, and if there are any other, um, I guess, health concerns at this point that the team is working through. Yeah, so Soph's um, progressing well. I think we're, we're happy in terms of where she's at. Obviously, she was disappointed not to go into camp. Um, but she she's returned. She's back on the field. She has been involved in some uh, team sessions in a modified manner. Um, we're just trying to increase our volume and capacity if you like and just slowly build her um, with the vision of like longer term in terms of her being healthy through the season obviously for the club obviously it'll be a big year in terms of internationally with the World Cup but yeah I think we're, we're taking the lens of long term versus short term um, in terms of just trying to rush her back that's not what we're doing it's it's slowly building her volume but we're happy with where she's at and uh, happy to Got her on the back, back on the field at the tail end of the trip to Bend, where she was back in some of the smaller activities with the team. Definitely, and and how I guess is everyone else doing as far as um, health potential injuries? Um, six weeks to go until the season, so you know plenty of time to to recover. But um, you know, there always seems to be a, a few things in preseason. Yeah, so we've got a couple other players who have had off season niggles, which were just sort of again, taking a patient approach to and probably being cautious um, to get those ready longer term. So um, Tegan and Rayner are those two players. Um, but yeah, it's more just niggles that they've come in with and we're taking a, a slow, cautious approach with them to to make sure, again, with the demands of this season ahead and the schedule that we have, it's, it's important that we have that vision and not just a short-term piece. Right. And, um, you know, Rain is a group of, uh, part of a group of rookies who, uh, are coming in and, and trying to get adjusted. Um, how has that part been for them? It's only really been a little over a week, but, uh, what, what have you seen from, from that group? Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, they're all different personalities. Um, you see how they interact off the field, on the field. And I think that's one of the, the massive things with the trip to Bend. I mean, that was me this time last year. Um, that was my first interaction with a group. So you just, when you see them interacting 
just in the facility at meals, you see a different side, but it also just accelerates that contact time that they have with each other and the group. So that's been cool. And then obviously you get to see them on the field as well. And that's when their the personalities sometimes shift a little bit and you see that their soccer personalities on the field. So that's been good. Um, for them, I, I'm not sure how it's been. Um, hopefully it's been welcoming, welcoming, but I'm sure it's probably been pretty anxious and overwhelming because it's a lot. And I think especially coming into the, the group that we have, there's some, some big names there and I'm sure it can be... Uh, pretty exciting, but also maybe it's a little bit of like, wow, is this really me in this situation? So, yeah, it, it's been good and it'll be a continual journey to, to get to know them better and hopefully they get to know us. But it was it was good to see the day, even at the end of the session, Rain has just given me a sly little ball through my legs as I was walking by and she had a, a big grin on her face. So, yeah, that that's nice to see that she's at that comfort level and yeah, even though she hasn't been on the field too much, it's yeah, she, she's coming out of her shell a little bit, so it's good. Yeah, that that's definitely exciting, and I, I can imagine for any soccer player the the level of wide eyed like shock that it must be to to share the field with the likes of people like Becky Sauerbrunn and and Christine Sinclair, Sophia Smith, Crystal Dunn, just to name a few uh, in this group. Um, just given the challenges inherently that come with being a first year coach, um, having names like that, having a group that is, is returning basically everybody, um, how much easier is that going to make it on, on you and your staff to, to maintain the continuity and to try and contend uh, again for another cup? Um, I mean, I think for, me personally, it's probably it helps in a sense of you've already got an existing relationship. Um, so I think there's a mutual respect both ways um, from me to the players and the players to me. So I think that that's what helps. So you're not actually having to build that. Um, then it's ultimately I think it's knowing them on a somewhat of a level to then know how to challenge them and support them in terms of how we move forward and get better, really. Um, so I think that's where there's a, a little bit of a leg up, if you like. But, I mean, reality is they're a very, very driven group um, without even just that pre-existing relationship. Like, they need to be challenged. The one honesty, um, the one feedback, the one environment that's that's challenging and fun and wants them to show up every day and, and get better. So regardless of whether I've got a pre-existing relationship, I need to be providing that type of environment for the players along with the other staff. And yeah, because I think if we get that, that adds to the, the respect level and ultimately with the talents that we have, if we've got that hunger and drive to, and desire to be better, then hopefully we're going to give ourselves every opportunity to, to hopefully be successful again. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks in, in NWSL circles right now are excited that uh, they now know that the schedule is coming out on Wednesday. That's something that, you know, people on Twitter and elsewhere uh, are just constantly begging and wondering uh, when that's going to come. Um, are you excited just to, to finally know the, the fixtures and just have everything kind of laid out in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, I it's a bit of me personality, I think. I like to know in terms of planning and process and 
so there's that element but yeah it, it begins to feel more real I guess when you start a pre-season it's challenging when you don't even know what your first game looks like or really when you're trying to map out the, the season across right through to a championship game hopefully it's it's tough when you don't know that so when you start to see that visually in front of you your mind just goes to places and yeah it's it's going to be an exciting day and I think it's not just for for me as a, as a staff member but for the players as well right and I, I believe it was Laura Harvey uh and folks online can correct me if I'm wrong but uh, that let it slip that there there may be a preseason tournament in the works uh, up in Portland. Um, I'm wondering uh, if if you can shed any light on that and, and what that might potentially look like. Um, I sometimes say this when there's a rumor I can't confirm nor deny that. <laughs> <laughs> a very political answer there from from Mike. We absolutely love the. Uh, the uh, wording on that one. Um, but no, I, I get that. And uh, folks, I guess can keep an eye out. Maybe, uh, maybe Laura was right. Maybe she was wrong. <laughs> we'll have to have to see, um, you know, moving forward though, obviously um, there are a number of teams. OL reigns, one of them, but you know, the San Diego wave, Kansas city, current teams that come into this next season uh, really looking to prove something against the Portland thorns. Right. And, one that stood out to me uh, in terms of their offseason moves was the KC Current and, and the level of players and the volume of players they brought in. Um, what have you thought of the moves that they've made and, and how they are able to try and challenge the Thorns this year? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think we have to admire um, where they're going. I think even if you look at off the field um, with a training facility, getting their own specific um, stadium and then just how they're building the roster. I think it's, it's like a new, almost like a new era in the league. If you like, just this is hopefully where the standard's going to be moving forward. Um, they had a strong roster last year and even chatting with some of their staff through the season and even at the draft, um, just reflecting on our championship game with them. They were physically pretty exhausted come that point of the year and the, the maybe didn't have the depth that they wanted. Obviously, they've, they've reviewed that, they've acknowledged that and they're trying to fix that. So, I think they'll be better as will many other teams in the league. Uh, I know we haven't necessarily made the changes to the roster but some of the messaging last week to the players was like this league is so, so competitive and I think even more so this year in terms of KC being a prime example of Team's grown and it's going to be even more competitive next year. And we're going to have to produce more. We're going to have to get better um, for us to be successful again. Because yeah, the standards just it's getting better and better. Right, and and you know, keeping up with with that standard. And you mentioned obviously uh, Kansas City getting their own facility and then soccer specific stadium for for themselves and in, in KC. Um, you know, part of, of something that has been discussed in the uh, future change of ownership for the Thorns is getting their own practice facility so they're no longer practicing at, at Providence Park and then maintaining uh, the opportunity to play at Providence Park. Um, those two elements, how important are they to, to not only keeping up with the rest of the league, but maintaining, I guess, the standard that the Thorns have set? Yeah, I'd say it's hugely important. I think the the club acknowledges that 
Um, there's an element of making sure that the facilities, the right facility and not necessarily right facility for 2023. It needs to be the right facility for what a facility looks like in 2026, 2027. And I think that is a driving force and making sure that wherever that is and what it looks like, it, it needs to be future focused. Because um, if we're just being a bit reactive and trying to have a facility for 2023, we're going to be behind the ball in four years' time, if you like. So, yeah, I, I think it's a important step um, for the, the club, the players, the staff. But getting it right again is is the important piece. And it, it just, without repeating myself, it needs to be future-focused um, with what that the demands of what... The league will be in 2026, 2027 and what the demands on the players will be and what the, their expectations should be at that time. That's where we need to be forecasting what the facility should look like. And yeah. The the next topic that I wanted to discuss with you is obviously there has been a lack of trust on the part of fans with, you know, ownership with uh, the front office of, of the team and, um, everything that has gone on in this club in, in the past couple of years. What have your conversations been like with fans if you've had them? And if not, uh, what do you hope to do in terms of bridging that gap and, and maintaining a relationship with, with the fans who have in many ways helped lift up this team? Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't had any conversations um, last year. I mean, very much at assistant coach role and, yeah, I, my personality is a bit more just behind the scenes. Obviously, that will change this year just naturally based on the role. So I, I haven't had any conversations. I think it's important. Um, I, I think the the product that's put on the field is an important piece. Because um, I think only that's what I can control to a certain extent in the, in the players. And I think that's only... A, at its deepest core is why this community is what it is. Um, the atmosphere that we have at the stadium, the product that's put there, the joy that it brings regardless of the results when you think about the Rose Ceremony and those things, and that, that stood really strong with me last year, being new to the club. Um, just that reception and I think gratitude on, on both parties of the fans to the players and the staff and then reciprocated back to the fans so I think just ensuring that that's still a product that everybody wants to get excited about I think it's a product that everybody wants to be proud of um, and just knowing that the staff and the, the players are, are giving it everything for the right reasons so like that's ultimately what we can try and control to what we can do and hopefully that keeps bringing the fans in um, and yeah, I think just operating in a manner of everything being safe and done for the right reasons, which is, we're kind of going through a bit of a transition right now and it can look a bit rocky if you like and look like, well, maybe he's not as staffed as well as we should be, but we're just working through this transitional period to make sure we come out the other end of it in the right manner um, and still hoping to, to keep building that connection because ultimately that's where the, the true connection is. Um, in terms of from the stands to the field. Definitely. And um, last bit of questioning for you. 
Um, you have been a self-described and then also described by Karina LeBlanc as like a, a foodie, a guy that loves to in, enjoy a, a great restaurant. Um, you know, you go anywhere that you like lately that you enjoyed in Portland or, or maybe in Bend that you that you want to give a shout out to? Um, I'm, I'm, what I'll do first, Ryan, is and I've I've had this conversation with KK. She needs to stop um, acknowledging me as like a foodie. <laughs> I ain't no food connoisseur. Uh, I'm definitely not a food connoisseur. I'm just a person that has a healthy appetite that creeps up on me more frequently. <laughs> so I, I'm somebody that eats often, um, and I don't want to claim that I'm like a food connoisseur because I'm not. So I'll put that out there. Um, as far as restaurants, I will say where we stayed in Bend, the food at the hotel was phenomenal. Like really, like really good. Um, particularly a couple of lunches we had. We had some balls. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think my family's moving down this at the end of this week. So I think my wife's going to be well overdue a nice meal. So hopefully we can get a babysitter in and we can go out for a nice meal somewhere. So, yeah, T- TBD. Hopefully the next time we speak, I, I'll be able to answer that question better. But I just want to put it out there. I'm not a foodie. I've just got somebody that their appetite pops up too often. Sure. Well, you do share uh, offices with with a great number of people who've who've got some good restaurant recommendations. I'm sure that you can take your your wife and, and even the kids out too, as well. Uh, well, thank you, Mike, for for taking the time and, and doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, for for those who aren't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that. You get your pods, uh, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX, and join us next week for some additional uh, Timbers season preview content and plenty more from the Thorns as well. Uh, thanks for joining us, Mike, uh, and have a good one. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate it.